these guys indulge me way too much. <laughs> we sure appreciate uh, all their sacrifice today, and, and um, we didn't have a practice on Wednesday, but um, these guys are amazing. Ain't that right, Miss Megan? Good to see Megan here this morning. Come on. We, um, we had an unfortunate event last night. You, if you received our text, um, the pipes burst in the ceiling over here and over here. And so the, the water's cut off. So if, if you have an emergency, you know, there are facilities available, but um, preferably if an emergency. But anyway... Also, pray for Miss Tara uh, Fowler. Her pipes burst in her house last night, and so um, they had to be displaced in the middle of the night last night. The fire trucks came, and water was coming through the walls and outlets and everything, but um, they are safe at her mother's house in Dandridge, but uh, thank God for family, right? And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that happen, Uh this, this cold weather has brought a lot of damper on a lot of people. Uh, we had a neighbor who actually, their house caught on fire. And it's just, just a lot of stuff like that. But we're thankful at this time that, and through all the tragedy, that we serve a Savior who loves us. And that there's a body of Christ that can step in and be an encouragement and help to all those who are displaced or hurting or struggling. Because we serve the light of the world. Amen. Miss Candace Bowling, I'll probably get in trouble for that. We're so thankful for Candy, our children's pastor. We don't get to see her out here very often. But uh, if you were at the play the other night, you know she's a great singer. Um, and I've had the privilege of see- hearing her share a few times, and she's a great speaker too. However, this is not my, I wouldn't call this my strong suit. <laughs> I'm not the most comfortable. Do I? <laughs> yes, different audience. I, Stephanie said, well, you do this all the time. And I was like, yes, but I never complete a whole thought before I get interrupted. <laughs> so if I can complete an entire thought today, I will be doing good. But today we're, we're still celebrating the season of Advent. We've been doing this on Wednesday night. And so this morning... We're going to light the purity candle, which also represents our Savior and who is the light of the world. And um, I'm going to have to sit this down for a minute. But I want to read a scripture in John 8, 12. Jesus said of himself, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. And not to be take away from the seriousness, um, if everybody got a candle um, when you came in, if you didn't, we will hand those out at the end. But I'm supposed to tell you, since we have electric candles, battery-powered candles, so we're going to do the flick and bump. So I can't pass the light on, so you're going to flick your light on and bump the person beside you. So that's, that was my instructions. That's how we're going to handle things this morning. But I do want to start at the very beginning. In John 1.1, 1, 1, um, John said of that in the beginning was the Word, the Word of God. Uh, the logos, the the spoken word, um, is the most common translation of that. And the word was with God, and the word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. Christ preexisted with God, and his name was the Word. And all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Now, I have a favorite devotional, and it's called the Book of Mysteries. I don't know if anybody um, enjoys Jonathan Kahn at all. So I kind of stole this section from him. I'm just giving him credit for that. I did add extra scripture from the devotional. But if you don't have that book, I want you to get it because they're really short. Um, you can read it in about an hour and a half. I read the whole thing through. But I, this, this kind of really spoke to me because this word logos can also be translated as reason or cause. And so the word of God is the cause for everything. Um, we are all here today because of him. And nothing exists without the word. With, um, nothing would have been created without the word. He is the cause of all things. In Genesis 1-3, it says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now this light wasn't the light that was created on the fourth day, the sun, moon, and stars. This light was the word. The light of the word shining into the darkness. Um, the word was full of life. The word planned to bring light to a dark world full of sin, to redeem men and women and offer eternal life for us. I don't know, but Christmas seems to be kind of a um, sentimental time for people, and a lot of people see a lot of darkness during the holidays. Um, you remember people who passed away that you had memories with. Um, we've had bursted water pipes this morning. It just seems to be a hard season for some people, and Christ came to bring light into that darkness. In John 1.14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. The Logos, the Word, the cause for all things, our Messiah became flesh and dwelt among us. He came to this world full of evil as a baby, flesh and blood, susceptible to the trials of of just living in life to redeem us. And so we just want to give him praise this morning for his sacrifice of coming and being our redeemer. Uh, Matthew 1, we're going to read a little bit of the Christmas story this morning. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was Spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. God with us, here with us, in, in the flesh, to go through everything that we have experienced as humans and even to so, so much greater through death. But the Logos had, had to become flesh and blood. He had to come to earth to save his people from their sins. The word came to be a light and a life to those who would receive him. And another familiar scripture. I'm, I'm reading a lot of familiar scriptures this morning. 
but I think it's fitting to the story of Christmas. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. In John 8, we read the scripture of um, Christ being the light of the world. But right before he made that statement in the temple, an adulterous woman, and I'm going to paraphrase because we have all of our children in here this morning, and we're all familiar with this story, but she was brought before him being accused of this sin. And of course, the scribes and the Pharisees and all those watching were also trying to back Jesus into a corner. And um, this story actually takes place during the Feast of Tabernacles. And I don't know if anybody is familiar with the Feasts of God. Um, I personally believe that Jesus was most likely born during this feast, which occurs usually in late September, early October. And so I kind of wanted to tie some of this in this morning. But he, he is here in the temple during this feast, and this woman is brought before him. And he's being tested. She's being accused. And Jesus knows the word. We just read the scripture in John 1. He is the word. He is the Torah, the law, the teaching, whatever you want to call it. That is who he is. And so he knows this woman is guilty. And he cannot go against his own word, who he is. So he can't bend the Torah. And so, I don't know, I would feel like I was stuck in a predicament. I'm not the best with words on the spot. As you can see, I've typed all my stuff. It's highlighted. You know, I'm pretty planned, planned out person. I'm not a spontaneous um, individual. But he is the word, and he knew the word. And so they have him backed into a corner. But he, he uses the law to his benefit because he knows it in and out. And so, according to the Torah, any eyewitness testifying in a capital case has to be the one to cast the first stone. And so, Jesus so sweetly says to these people, I don't know what his tone was, but he's like, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to stone her. And so, And then we all know he stooped and he began writing in the sand. And one by one, her accusers began to walk away. And with no witnesses to accuse this woman, there could be no trial, no physical death penalty. And so here Jesus has escaped his his accusers, and he's also been compassionate toward this woman. I believe that these men knew that their hearts were kind of laid bare before him. He was seeing into their soul, and he said, you know, if you have no sin, you, you throw the first stone. We're not sure what Jesus wrote in the dust that day, um, but these men, one by one, began to walk away. And so that's who our Savior is. He is the Word. He is the compassionate Redeemer. Um, in that same time period in the temple, on the last day, on the eighth day of the feast, as the feast was over, A lot of people believe that this is when Jesus makes this statement where he says, I am the light of the world. So the Feast of Tabernacles lasts for seven days. And a lot of people believe on the eighth day, Jesus was in the temple again. And he he proclaims himself to be the light of the world. And and also, not during Jesus' time, but later, during the Middle Ages, they also, the Jewish people also began a holiday called Simchat Torah, where they rejoice in the word. 
on the eighth day when Jesus is proclaiming that he is the light of the world. Um, but during this feast, people are commanded to go to Jerusalem. So there are many people in the city. They'll typically stay with relatives or out, or out of the heart of the kindness of strangers. People will let you come into their house during this feast. I have been to Jerusalem with Miss Pam's family during the Feast of Tabernacles, and it is crowded. You feel like a Oreo cookie on the subway or whatever the thing is that runs down the center of town. There are thousands of people there. It is a feast where the nations are invited to come. And so there's a great possibility that when Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem, if Jesus was born during this time period, I'm not going to say, it's all speculation, but you can take what you want to from it, that there was a great possibility that there would be no room in the inn. So, also during this feast, people dwell in tabernacles or temporary booths. They would build three-sided booths to rejoice in and to celebrate in. And in the booths, the, the ceiling of natural materials that they would put on the top, they had to leave room to look for the stars. Um, in the temple, uh, if you've ever looked at a picture of the, the, the temple or the, um, the court of women was kind of shaped like a big plus sign or a, a cross. And in this area, there were four large oil lamps that um, had wicks made out of the old used priest's undergarments. And these, these wicks were called swaddling clothes. Um, so I'm just going to throw, I, I can't go into the whole thing. I just want to interest you to look further into this. But one of my favorite pieces of the Feast of Tabernacles is the um, water pouring ceremony. And it's just so interesting because the priest would pour water over the altar um, drawn from the Pool of Siloam. I'm missing a piece of my... Give me just one second. There we go. In John 7, 37 and 38, it says, In the last day of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus spoke this also during the Feast of Tabernacles. In the same time period with the adulterous woman, with him proclaiming that he is the light of the world. And the water pouring became a focus of the joy that the Torah commands for the Feast of Tabernacles. On no other festival were the people literally commanded to be joyful. And as a result, the Tabernacles became known as the season of our joy. Just as Passover is the season of our freedom... Tabernacles became the season of our joy. And the water pouring ceremony at the Feast of Tabernacles was the only water poured out onto God's altar. This water was literally called Yeshua, the waters of salvation. Jesus proclaimed, if anyone drinks of me, right? So in God's temple, which demonstrated that he was and still is the, these waters of salvation, when Yeshua did this, he literally spoke the greatest teaching of Moses. To get to heaven, you must go through these waters to get there. This was the very place where Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. It was also the place where the rabbis used to teach the coming of Messiah. 
When the temple of God stood in Jerusalem, the water pouring ceremony was performed every day during this feast. The priests of the Most High God were divided into three divisions during this daily special ceremony. One division for the altar, one division for the willows, and one for the waters. Now, this first division was the priests on duty during the festival. If you know, the priests all had a schedule that they followed in the temple. And so the altar priests would slay the sacrifices that we find in Numbers 29. Now, prior to the first group of the priests, ascension to go up to the altar. The altar had ramps, and they would go up and they would offer the sacrifices. There was a second group of priests that would go out of the eastern gate of the temple, and they would go to the Matzah Valley, where the ashes of the red heifer were dumped at the beginning of the Sabbath. And there they would cut big willow branches. Now, it says that these willow branches had to be 25 feet in length. So these were some giant giant willow branches, and after this, they would form a line with all the priests holding a willow, and about 25 or 30 feet behind this row of priests, allowing room for the willows, because they had to spread out. These were some giant willow branches. There was going to be another row of priests with willows, so row after row after row after row of willows. Are we getting the picture? Um, So the whole road back to the temple was lined with Pilgrims and people coming, coming to this feast as they went to Jerusalem to celebrate. And they were commanded by God to do so. There would be a signal. And the priests would step out with their left foot and then step to the right in a cadence. And all the while they're doing this, they would be waving these palm breasts. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. All the way back to the, to the temple. And so, meanwhile... So we got the whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. We got the priests waiting to offer their sacrifices. The third group of priests, headed by the high priest, um, went out the gate known as the water gate. Now they had gone to the pool of Siloam. We see that in John 9, verses 7 and 11, which means gently flowing waters. And there the high priest had a golden vase, and he drew the water known as the living water, and he held it in this vase. And his assistant held a silver vase containing wine. And just as the priests in the Valley of Matzah began to march toward Jerusalem, the willows would make the swooshing sound in the wind as they approached the city. The word wind and spirit in Hebrew are both ruach. And therefore, this ceremony was symbolic or representative of the Holy Spirit, of God coming upon Jerusalem. So, whoosh, whoosh. And then you got people waiting to offer offer the sacrifice. As each of the party reached their respective gates, a trumpet, or a shofar, was blown. Then one man would stand up and play the flute. The flute represents the Messiah. The flute player is called the pierced one. The flute is pierced, and Yeshua was pierced during the crucifixion. So all this is, you know, if you believe that this is Christ's birthday, this is what God ordained for his son's celebration. The flute player led the procession. The pierced one blows the call for the wind and the water to enter the temple. The priests from Matzah walk in cadence, swishing the willows in order to come into the temple. This group then circled the altar seven times. The priests that were slaying the sacrifices are now ascending the altar, and they begin to lay the sacrifices on the fires. And the high priest and his assistant ascend the altar, and all the people of Israel are gathered into the courts around there. The people start singing, With joy we draw water out of the well of salvation. 
Isaiah 12, 3. The high priest takes his golden vase and pours its contents on one corner of the altar where the horns are. And there are two bowls built into the altar. Each bowl has a hole in it. The water and the wine are poured out over the altar as the priest who had the willows start laying the willows up against the altar making a sukkah or a tabernacle. They set the willows upright on the side of the altar forming a wedding canopy or a chuppah, which is a picture of the mature body of Christ coming together who are made up of organic matter. And these individuals lay down their lives as sacrifices, living sacrifices of fire to form one body. So if that's not a challenge to us today as the mature body of Christ, um, the dwelling place of God. The ceremony of the water drawing points to that day when according to the prophet Joel, God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. I don't know, as you, I don't get to be in here very often. So, but I pray every week that God pours out his spirit on all flesh. Because you guys are in here and you are the trainer. I I teach for an hour a week, but you guys get the rest of the week. And so we pray for you that the Holy Spirit will be poured out in this room so that you are the leaders of that next generation that is back there with me. I'm back there laying the foundation. We learn about all the Bible stories, who God is, but you are the living sacrifice that's walking out what they're modeling. And so I am praying for the day when the Lord pours out his spirit on all flesh. Um, As mentioned earlier, the water drawing ceremony took on a new dimension of meaning when Yeshua attended the Feast of Tabernacles. And on the seventh day of the feast... Hoshana Rabbah, which literally means the great Hosanna, the great salvation, the festival activities were different from those of each of the six previous days when the priests circled the altar in a procession singing Psalm 118, 25. And on the seventh day of the feast, the people circled the altar seven times, and that is why the day is called Hoshana Rabbah. And all the people cried, save now. And they would say that seven times, save now, save now. And that's what they were crying. And this is when a man who was sent, Yeshua, stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, because he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Thank you, Father. And so this is all happening during the Feast of Tabernacles. And again, the day after Jesus proclaims that he is the light of the world. Um, the, the big oil lamps that we talked about um, where the priests would climb up and light the swaddling clothes wick with the olive oil, all this happened, and he's proclaiming in the same place that they're doing all this that he is the light of the world. Um, now we're going to read a little bit out of Luke 2. And it says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds guarding their sheep, and announced to them, Today in Bethlehem, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And you will recognize him by this sign, that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Now, there's so much stuff. I had a hard time narrowing it all down. Um, and I give credit to my dad because he's the one that has taught this for the last 20 years. So... Um, 
here, here he is laying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes, and the angels come to the shepherds and say, this is your sign. Now, I have thought about this even as a child. So out of this whole city, that's all they told him. How are they going to find this baby? I mean, come on. <laughs> There's some kid somewhere wrapped up in some strips of cloth. Um, what does that mean? Like, who, aren't every baby wrapped up in a blanket? Um, I don't know. But these were trained Levitical shepherds. Okay, so they, um, they knew Jewish tradition. They, I'm sure they knew the prophecies. Um, specifically, they were trained for taking care of the sheep and the lambs. Sheep, that was bad grammar. The sheep and the lambs used for temple sacrifices. And so there were these caves, ritually, I think Miss Carrie might have alluded to some of this the night she taught, but there were birthing caves that were clean and purified for the um, female sheep to give birth in. And they would bring the female sheep into this cave before they give birth, and any male lambs that were born without spot or blemish were used for the Passover sacrifice and forgiveness of sin. And so male lambs would be bathed in a salt solution and then dried and swaddled to be kept clean and spotless. And during that time, those old priestly garments, again, were cut up into small pieces um, to light the menorah, to light the oil lamps, but they were also used to wrap these lambs in when they were born. And so the angel tells the shepherds exactly how to find the baby because they know. So this is all speculation. You can take, take what you want out of it. But Mary and Joseph couldn't find a place at a relative's house or at a friend's house. So there's a possibility that they were giving birth in one of these birthing caves. A lot of homes had caves underneath them where they would keep their animals. And um, their homes were built over the top the top of them. So the, the, these shepherds had to have had some clue as to where to look for this baby. And so after Christ's birth, he was cleansed the same way. I was looking this up. They did the same thing for babies because the salt would kill the bacteria. They didn't have things like we have now. And so they would use salt to clean the babies and kill the bacteria from the birth. And then he was also wrapped in these swaddling clothes. So where did they get those from? So when the shepherds found baby Jesus lying in this birthing cave, they knew he was the Messiah. Um, he was probably cleansed as it was done in those days with salt to purify the lambs for sacrifice. He was wrapped in the pieces of old priestly garments, just as the lamb for slaughter. And ultimately, he became the sacrificial lamb for the forgiveness of our sins. The shepherds saw Jesus as the sacrificial lamb and the light of the world on the night of his birth. Thank you, Father. And I did take this. I want to read this to you. This came from the Book of Mysteries because I'm not all this is from that devotional. So I'm trying to tie it all together here. But um, Jonathan Kahn says the sacrificial lamb is the Logos. Um, and we saw this in John chapter 1, right? The Logos died on the cross to make it no longer necessary to offer the blood of bulls and goats. He was crucified. That means the word was crucified, right? We didn't. Jesus didn't have the name Yeshua until he was born. He was the Word. The cause of everything was crucified. And if the cause is crucified, then so too is the effect. The effect is nullified. It disappears. If the Logos dies, the cosmos is nullified. 
because he was the cause of everything. The old world dies. The old life dies. The fallen past dies. The old you dies. And if the cause of existence is removed, then all the sins of your life are brought out of existence as if they never existed in the first place. I think somebody needs to hear that this morning. (laughs) All the sins of your life are brought out of existence as if they never existed in the first place. So for all who are in Messiah, the old is gone and they become new. As it is written, if anyone is in Messiah, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. For the Logos has been crucified. So that's the message this morning. The old is gone and the new has come. The Messiah was born. We have no reason to hold on to the past any longer because he is the light of the world. And so I don't know if everybody wants to come, come to the front while we do the, the candles. You can flick and bump together. Um, I just want to remind everybody as you're coming, um, if you're hungry this morning, Jesus is the bread of life. In John 6, 35, it says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. If you're in darkness, he's the light of the world. Um, and let's go ahead and, I don't know how you guys want to turn. I just need to be able to see just a little bit. But if you want to turn the lights down. Pastor and Kim, you want to start? You can start the. That's <laughs> fine. So if you're hungry, he's the bread of life. If you are in darkness, he is the light of the world. If you need a place to call home, he is, he is the door. If you need salvation, if you need guidance or protection, he is the good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If you need resurrection this morning, he is the life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. If you need assurance of the future, he is the way, the truth, and the life. If you need a relationship, he is the true vine. And then... The last thing I have is Matthew 5, 13 and 16. It says that you are now the light of the world. And so that's my charge to us this morning. A city on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So our light must shine before people in such a way that they see our good works and glorify our God in heaven. You stepped out into darkness, open my eyes, let me see beauty that makes this heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether 
worthy, altogether wonderful to me. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Isn't he amazing? Father, we just thank you for the privilege of knowing you as the light of the world. And Lord, today we accept this challenge that has been laid before us, not only to receive the light of the world, but Lord, to be the light of the world. And God, I pray that uh, although we might have symbolic candles today, I pray that our hearts will be lit on fire with your presence. Lord, that we will be the light that shines forth, filled with the Holy Spirit, that others may see the glory of God shining in us. God, purify us, wash us, cleanse us, make us whole. Unite us in your presence. Help us to walk together as your children, unified in the purpose and plan that you have laid before us. We love you. We honor you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we sing one more song? Um, And let me see if I can do this. I think she's got joy to the world up there. Is that all right? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and hell and nature sing. Christmas. We pray that you have a wonderful time with your family today.
and this week. Thank you. I'm, for those who couldn't hear me, <laughs> pray you have a wonderful time with your family and enjoy this wonderful Christmas day. Love every one of you. If we, we didn't take up offering, our, our ushers asked me about that. I said, no, we're not doing that today. But if you would like to give a special offering today, our ushers will be available at the door to do that. But we are so thankful for you. Thank you, Miss Candy, for being such a blessing to us today. Amen. Amen. Remember, there is no New Year's Eve uh, party. Um, and then also, if you are interested in the marriage retreat, sign up as soon as possible online. Uh, the office will be closed this week, so sign up online. <laughs> um, is, there, is there any other announcements? That, oh, one. Yeah, I just wanted to come up and thank everybody for your generosity uh, in the giving uh, to the pastor's uh, Christmas we were able to give them a very significant uh, Christmas bonus this year, and I want to thank you. I want to thank you. <laughs> no, thank, thank you for all your kind uh, words, your cards, your gifts. You guys have been a blessing to, to not only me, but to all of our pastoral staff, and we are so thankful for you guys. Love you all. Merry Christmas. Shake somebody's hand. Let them know you're happy to see them this morning.